Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the JWB Dynasty Digest, where we give you a consumable dynasty perspective. I've got a really special guest here with me for this one. Before we introduce him, let's roll that intro. Welcome. You're listening to JWB Fantasy Football. Thanks for listening. And that special guest is Mr. Dave Wright himself, FF underscore Spaceman. Dave, how are you doing? Doing pretty good, man. I'm a little disappointed, I will say. One, I'm not in the intro anymore. This, this hurts. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Two, uh, I was I did not know this was live until the last minute, so I'm a little disappointed I can't wear my L. Bean bathrobe, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm ready to roll. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I would have supported it, but uh, you know the JWB overlords. I'm not so sure. So, uh, but glad to have you on, man. Glad we can make this work. I know that you're gonna have some terrific hot takes for us. Uh, maybe you can, you know, all it takes to get into the intro, you know, is you just gotta pump our tires a little bit. Just say how terrific we are at fantasy football, and you know, I think we can. I think we can work something out where we get you back into the next intro. Yeah, probably not gonna happen after that's what's gonna take. But. <laughs> All right. Well, we got a ton of players as we were talking about before. I wrote down an absolute butt ton of players that we might talk about. We might get to we might get to a few of them here. Uh, so let's just jump into it with the first one. Justin Herbert currently playing as we are live here, and he's seven for eleven, seventy yards, and a touchdown so far, doing his thing once again. He is the QB one on the season in average points per game. What are your thoughts right now on Justin Herbert? Usually, I think everybody's still kind of of the mind in uh, at least what I've seen in dynasty circles that you've got like the big three of Mahomes, Hertz, and Allen at the quarterback position. But then Herbert, I think, is right at the top end of the next year. But I mean, he's QB1. Should we be considering him right up there with the other three? Look, I think this is a perfect example of like how you want to play dynasty. If you want to be aggressive and push the envelope, and and try to and try to be a, he, a forward thinker and think, hey, you got a young quarterback here. He's playing like he's in that tier one of quarterbacks, but he's not being valued there. Go up and get him. Like like if that's how you because I'm looking at his the things. First off, I want to say the Kellen Moore effect is real. His EPA per drop pack is 700 increase. Uh, is just everything in efficiency uh, has gone up significantly compared to where it was in previous seasons, and it's it's astounding. Like I, I was like going like, oh, I wonder if. I haven't really checked it out this season. I haven't really heard too much about it. And it is just stunning where he is as far as an efficiency standpoint compared to where he was last year's ADOT has gone up. Like everyone's like, oh, he's a dink and duck quarterback all of a sudden. That's up to eight point, like over eight now. And it it really is pretty, pretty cool to see like the talent that we saw him as a rookie and that we just didn't quite get to see in years in the last couple of years. And he's doing it as the QB1 that we talked about. And man, I, th- I think the way to go is if you if you want to be a forward thinker, you've got some extra capital. Hey, just push him up into that that tier one of quarterbacks because, as you can see, here's young, and the, this thing's actually they fluctuate. QBs fluctuate, so if you want to try to get there first and just be aggressive, and if and you now I'm all over the place because I'm excited here, but <laughs> but what I want to like round back out, I just want to say like um, I think that's a smart move. Be aggressive, or if you just are, are cool with him in that tier. Don't do anything about it, except I think a great play to make is if you're like one of those teams that uh, you're looking at these teams. In Dynasty, we're seeing teams that are like uh, struggling 
and then their teams are competing. If I'm a competing team or if I'm a middling team or if I'm just trying to add some, maybe I'm trying to do multiple things at once. I'm not necessarily like an elite team yet. And I have like an Anthony Richardson or something who everyone is really all about seeing those tools pop off the screen, even though he's got some injuries going on. I think a great play is to try to add something to Anthony Richardson to go get Justin Herbert. I think that's a really solid play. So, yeah, I definitely would be interested in that. I think, yeah, there's actually a lot of really interesting ways to go get Justin Herbert right now to tear down from the Mahomes Allen Hurts tier. And as you're saying, it might not even be a tear down like QB1 so far. Who's to say that um, he's not just going to keep it up all this year and for the next number of years? Uh, we might be right back at it next time this year and he's in that conversation he's part of that tier as i'm i'm, I'm knocking off the the podcasting cobwebs here but what i meant mm -hmm. to say too in my rambling little entryway here was that all the underlying metrics that we want from justin herbert completion percentage in a clean pocket his big time throws uh his cpoe all the stuff that is like kind of predictive of future success those are are firing right where we want them to be so it's not like hey this is a blip in the screen or you know this is just a, a temporary scheme thing that's seeing him jump. The things that measure predictive QB success is we're seeing it. And that's what's exciting along with the fantasy points. And people are kind of wish-washing. Is he in that next tier yet? And some people are still might be feeling some of that, that, uh, that fear for when he didn't disappoint. If it's like a year two or three of a, of a, a league and he didn't, and he returned that low end QB one numbers last year, Justin Herbert could be a guy you could go get. So even though he is the QB one right now in fantasy, but I just think that, there's a little bit more in the uh, in the philosophy and the and the and the psychology of dynasty. I think that goes in Justin Herbert than people realize. Yep, I would totally agree with that. We got Toronto Dave in the chat as just about always. Love you, Toronto Dave. He says, "Sucks for our Coney team." FD, did you guys have a, a bad week in the uh, Coney League? We had. <clears throat> See, now I'm getting choked up because my man Toronto <laughs> Dave's in here. But <laughs> give me a second here. Yeah, no problem. All right. Well, we're going to talk about a bunch more quarterbacks here. Um, we don't have to just talk about your uh, Dave's only uh, co-owned team there. So we've definitely got plenty to talk about. Uh, why don't we talk a little bit about Brock Purdy? I think this one's pretty interesting. Before last week's uh, or this week's game, I guess I should say it's still this week's game. Uh, Brock Purdy was really, really getting steamed up. And a lot of people were saying, like, why wouldn't I have this guy over uh, Dak Prescott? Why wouldn't I have him over Justin Fields? Why isn't he right up there with Trevor Lawrence? Like, there's a lot of people saying a lot of those things. Curious about your thoughts here, Dave. Have you reached those heights with him? Um, maybe, maybe start with Justin Fields, because I feel like these are really kind of polar opposite players in a lot of ways, but they're like, if you just go by keep trade cut, they're valued like almost identically right now. Look, if you want to be in like this fantasy world and you want to just talk about in a vacuum, we could do that at Brock Purdy, but I don't think, you know, this is in season and you know, right. the, I think some of that content is meant for the off season where we can just talk bigger picture. But if I'm a team right now and I'm trying to win right now and he is an ideal QB two target for a super in a super flex team he's he's performing as a mid to low end qb1 he's being valued a little bit outside the top 12 qbs per dlf's recent uh october adp of uh qb14 so i think that and but the you're getting here is this insane efficiency and you always have to be wary of that efficiency but his underlying metrics are also solid so it's not like he's just totally off the chart the only problem with brock purdy i think 
from a pure profiles perspective is he just gives you nothing, nothing from a, a rushing perspective except a rush TD here or there on the goal line maybe or a scramble or something like that. So mm-hmm. I, I think the real play is is how I'm trying to get a little value in my squad here. And I, and I would move off of Dak Prescott to Brock Purdy. No problem. I think we're just not seeing – we're not going to see that insane rushing from Dak and that three years ago before that ankle injury, we're just not going to see that pass rate from him anymore or at least that passing efficiency. I, I I like Brock Purdy now. It depends. Justin Fields is a lot more interesting because of the rushing aspect and how I want to play fantasy. But if I'm trying to win right now, I have no problem trying to tear down to a team that's not competing that has a Brock Purdy who maybe got him late uh, and they're just sitting on it as like as found value and they're trying to get like a long-term asset like Justin Fields. I do not know what the injury news on him has hand yet. So I should couch that and say that uh, I think he's – uh, Purdy's a really interesting player to target if I want to win and I want to accrue value. Uh, if I if I'm like not a serious contender and I'm not trying to score fancy points right now, I guess the some of the uh, the luster will be off just because of how much he's relying on efficiency and along those lines. But I don't know what it is, man. It's this this October <laughs> air. I'm just choking up. <laughs> it's getting you. That's for sure. Yeah, I think I share some of those same thoughts. Uh, definitely, I I don't feel comfortable with Purdy at these heights just because, you know, you take away a little bit of the situation and I'm wondering what we're really left with here. Like, obviously, you feel pretty good that the 49ers are going to stick with them and they're going to try to continue to surround him with this kind of talent, but this might legitimately be, be the best talent he ever has around him in his entire career. We might be looking at his absolute pinnacle this season right here. And, you know, you have this game where Debo goes down and CMC goes down and suddenly it's just Ayuk and Kittle. And we might get to Kittle here a little later on, but... Um, and suddenly you're like, okay, now the weapons are just good, not insane. And then what are you really left with with Brock Purdy? Is he really someone who can absolutely, um, you know, elevate your super flex team from that second QB spot? I don't know. And so that's where my kind of uh, qualms about Brock Purdy really start to to come in. Like um, Purdy right now, if you go by deep trade cut, um, which obviously imperfect, but some sort of benchmark he's above kyler murray he's above bryce young he's above jared goff deshaun watson Dak prescott all these guys he's getting steamed up pretty hot right now and you know i can see it for this exact moment in time but i'm wondering if this is like like just uh young kirk cousins here where kirk cousins is in a terrific situation has been for a number of years and has produced because of that situation and I wonder if Purdy's situation might just be so good that it's even masking a little bit of who he actually is as a fantasy quarterback. I'm not saying, you know, as a real life quarterback, I think he's going to have a job in the NFL for a long time based on what he's been able to do in the early going here. But I'm really concerned that we're actually looking at the best of Brock Purdy right now. And that's the fear too, especially if you're a team who's not necessarily trying to put up fancy points. You're not necessarily competing right now and he's on your squad and you're trying to say, hey, am I going to ride this guy on my roster moving forward as a building block? Or if I want to get out on that value right now and continue to accrue to value on my squad. And I think, I think you got to be smart. I think that's an, I don't think there's a, there's a, it's not black and white. You've got to read the tea leaves, what, what your roster is and approach from there. Now, if it were a startup, we can talk about that a little differently, but sure. in season, I think you have to uh, team by team basis, league by league basis, and, and go from there. But 
I think you you touched it on it perfectly. His efficiency is you cannot get any more efficient than he's being. A lot of that has to do with the players around him. A lot of that has to do with, with the scheme. But some of it is him. Like, he's doing what he needs to be doing. He's not taking sacks. He's being accurate. He's making good decisions, not turning the ball over, making the big throw when he needs to. So it's it's tough, man. And I think that and as I choke up again, that's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's enough on Brock Purdy. We've got a bunch more here. Deshaun Watson continues to be a really puzzling one for me. I really thought, like, um, I didn't want to be in a position where I was rostering a bunch of Deshaun Watson. Um, not a fan of the uh, player or man anymore. was at one time. But it felt like his offseason price was pretty good, given that the guy had pretty much only been, like, a top-five fantasy QB when he was playing before all this went down. And so I found myself, you know, just putting my own internal feelings aside and just playing the numbers on the sheet in front of me and saying, you know, this feels like a pretty good bet. And then he comes out and he's terrible, um, surprisingly, absolutely terrible. And now he's got an ouchie and he doesn't want to play. And I'm getting a little bit fed up with Deshaun Watson and my shares there. So I don't know where you're at with Watson, uh, Space Man. I don't know if you've got him anywhere. I don't know if you if you care to to talk more about Deshaun than already has been said, but uh, I'm I'm just really stuck, honestly, with Watson. He's one player that I'm just like viewing as like okay, he's on my roster, and I guess I'm just hoping that at some point he puts this back together and I can recoup some of the value that's already I've been losing steadily since the day this season started. See, you just said it, kind of what you when you you're introing him, you like thought he was sucking. And I think that's kind of how I felt. I have him on one squad that I'm actually like, a, it's a competing squad somehow with no quarterback. He's my only quarterback in the Superflex. I just traded for Gardner Minshew. And my, this team is just really wide receiver heavy. And I've lucked into some running backs like Raheem Mostert, DeAndre Swift, traded Jameson Williams and TJ Hawkinson to get Derrick Henry and Stephon Diggs. And this is this team has just took off from a bottom, a basement dweller essentially because of Deshaun Watson last year. And now it's a top three team right now, top two in points. And I'm thinking there, man, Deshaun Watson sucks. Like every time I watch him, I just don't have that feeling. He was as good as Patrick Mahomes. Like that's the kind of caliber quarterback he was. And then looking back like today, trying to get ready for the show, I'm like, well, actually he's actually like the QB 12 right now in points per game. So he's, yeah, not, he's, he's hanging around there. So he's not doing as bad as I thought he'd be. Um, so, like, which is, and he's got you know two top 12 weeks, no top five weeks. I think that's the thing is that he's bounced back and all the things that he was really good at, like his efficiency, his big time throws, his P PFF uh, QB grade, like all the efficiency stuff that I care about, AYA, whatever you want to pick. He was awful in last year, like just absolutely terrible. And it was like, who is this quarterback? Now you're seeing him jump back a little bit towards what he was, but it's still not close to what he was. So you have to sit here and say, well, is it going to continue to get better? But then you have this off the field stuff or what's happening now, this drama with his shoulder. There's a lot going on. Hmm. And the, and you've got this value of people who, like you said, might not want to touch him at all because the off the field stuff. So that so he's a tricky player to value. Ultimately, I'm not he's not a target of mine, but I'm holding him on the teams that I need him to, to help me with. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's pretty much where I'm at with him too. He's he's just a hold uh, at this current moment. I can't, I, I don't think like the perception, like even though he's QB12, the perception is much worse. My perception is much worse than that. Um, just the lowered expectations, anything less than him coming out and really putting himself in that conversation with the uh, elites of the league. Uh, he's he's definitely not separating, right? Like he's in this massive tier of quarterbacks. Like Sam Howell is scoring 0.8 points less per game than he is right now. Like he's just not separating the way that we wanted him to. So that's he, a big He's not part sharp. Of it. You know what it is? It feels like he still has rust. When I'm watching him and I'm looking at his metrics, he looks not, he's not making the throw that needs to. He's get the volumes there. His rushing is there. But he's just not sharp. That that's, yep. and I don't know how you that, like. Does that just naturally come back? I don't know. I, I don't play quarterback. Yeah. I don't right. think like, is this a unique situation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, we got a bunch of comments here. We got Mr. Scampers in here saying howdy. How you doing, Mr. Scampers? And we got a question. Hey guys, how do you, do you think? Trevor Lawrence is playing next week. It is a quick turnaround for Trevor Lawrence. Um, we've got a Rappaport tweet that says it's uh, the hope is he's okay for it. <laughs> so take that however you want to. But um, I kind of feel like it's likely he will. But I'm, I mean, I'm like probably like 55 45 on that take right now i i don't i don't feel very strongly about that i don't know if you got a better take than that space man but that's where i'm at so i literally worked all day was with my kid today and then i i prepped for the show so i have no new i have not watched any news i've not consumed any content whatsoever so i i that i i can like my decision making happens on tuesdays yeah essentially fair enough uh, he says his backup is Deshaun, but he's also questionable. Yeah, that's a that's a tough spot to be in, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I'd at least be thinking about a contingency plan if you're in that situation. ASD, whatever your name is, hit me up on Twitter, and we'll have a, a, a more of a conversation if you want. For sure. Why it's in here, Spaceman, how hard is it to put on that hat these days? I love it because Patriots fans are are ridiculous and they're they're spoiled and rotten and i like to drink their tears as another patriots fan because you just got to sit back and enjoy the ride and then criticize all their stupid football takes and we got toronto dave saying shout out space baby all right we got to get back into this we got to talk about some running backs i feel like we got to talk about who you would take between two young running backs in kenneth walker and travis Etienne. now both these guys performing pretty well here in the early going we got Etienne coming checking in at 19.2 uh fantasy points per game in ppr and we got kenneth walker at 18.3 so they're pretty close within a point of each other in points per game. We've got Kenneth Walker really relegating uh, Zach Charbonnet to the bench. Like he had his, I think I saw he had his highest rush share of the season this past week. Like it seems like it's going more and more in Kenneth Walker's direction rather than, you know, a lot of people thought that Charbonnet might not get a ton of snaps to start, but might start to eat into that work over the course of the season. Seems to be going the other direction coming out of the bye there for Seattle. So uh, your thoughts on these two, ETN, 
at you know four uh, yards per attempt, Walker at 4.2. They've both been able to score some touchdowns, which is obviously contributing here, but they both seem to be clear lead backs, and that's not something that I think most people were thinking for either of these guys. There's a lot of concern about that in the offseason and kind of drove down their prices. I appreciate you mentioning Zach, uh, Zach Charbonnet because I haven't heard his name in a long time and I've, <laughs> I've forgotten how to pronounce it. So that's good since, you know, you're not seeing it on the broadcast. That's always good to see. No, but in all seriousness, though, the way I look at it is I think the, be- the best way to look at running backs is one is their, uh, like with the percentage of their, their, uh, their running back room, the opportunity they're getting. I call that uh, opportunity share. They're both over 70%. I used to write a column for DLF, a weekly column. A couple of years ago, and anything over 70% was considered a very, very elite tier. And they're both there. We were not expecting it. So 70% opportunities is really exciting. The what is really getting me excited about Travis Etienne is he's seeing a 25 to 40%, depending on the metric and how you want to measure it, increase in receiving volume or or uh or production. And that is really he was at 2.4 targets last season. I think he's up to four targets per game. That is the dream for Travis Etienne, along with the rushing opportunities and his big playability. That is what we want to see. That I think he was really going down to low end RB one in the offseason. People are he, he are like they were not as excited about him as he as they were at the end of last season because of the stuff. Yeah, the tank Biz, Bigsby, also the lack of receiving, the uh, fumble or like the drops, everything. But to, and the, and also the coach speak. You see that kind of production from Etienne or opportunity from receiving like four, four targets per game for him is, is really exciting, especially with Trevor, Trevor Lawrence as a quarterback. So I really like a Trevor, Trevor CTN is a, is a top five dynasty court or running back for me right now. Kenneth Walker, he's all, he's essentially getting Travis CTN's volume from last season, but with more high value touches, he's getting a ton in the, in the, in the, uh, the red zone, a ton of goal line work. And so that's also makes him exciting. And those, ta- those touches are valuable. Just not as much, as much, um, not as much uh, targets. I would, and and like the concerns I have, maybe oh, like oh, he's not getting the targets, but he's also being a little bit more elusive, making uh, people miss a little bit higher than Travis Etienne. Both players I like. I have Travis Etienne a little bit more just because of the passing or the receiving yep. part. Yeah, I think that's where I fall too. I also feel like Etienne's efficiency hasn't quite been there so far this year, and I feel like the as you know hopefully we see trevor lawrence kind of turn the season around at some point here um get himself back on track the offense gets a little more efficient etn gets a little more efficient then you could really see etn pop off to a level that i don't know that kenneth walker truly has in his belt if he's not gonna get uh, a much more significant target share in that offense we got a bunch more questions or uh, comments at least let's roll through them quick mr scampers yucky news about a rich today possibly maybe who knows out for the year per say yeah why it's saying hard to believe anything Ursay says but news has been trending that direction i definitely think that that's um i'm i mean if you have a rich like i feel like he was a little bit of found money like you might have drafted him pretty high but if you're depending on a rich to be a star quarterback for your dynasty squad this year uh, i don't know that you're a contending team uh to begin with so a rich was probably found money for your squad in the early going here and at this point like you're just gonna stash him you're gonna wait till next year and you're pretty happy with what you have uh, at least as an asset, if nothing else, at this point. So that's how I feel about that. Toronto Dave is saying Tank fell off. Tank Bigsby, uh, 
Yeah, I always thought Tank Bigsby was a little bit mid, to be honest with you. So that was not unexpected for me. And lastly, we'll see this one. Toronto Dave asking, how do y'all value Swift at the moment? I know that this is a player you've uh, you've had some relationship with in the past, Mr. Dave Wright. So please tell me, how are you valuing DeAndre Swift at the moment? Man, I am so, like, as someone who I had a ton of, I was at like 40-something percent of Swift at one time. And uh, I was, I got out in some places, and some places I was just stuck with him. Uh, the places that I'm stuck with him, my teams are doing great. Places yeah. I got out, they're not doing great. But I think we want to look at Swift is um, in PP, like scoring dependent, dependent. Like if you're in some tricky league where uh, PPR, if it's not quite PPR, I really want to know how that scores because I think those receptions were really going to boost him. Uh, Hertz is targeting him way more than I think anyone anyone thought he'd be getting targeted out of the backfield. Um, so how am I value him? I think he's, well, honestly, we're being, we should not be viewing running backs more than one year right now, especially in season. Yeah. It's one year. If I, he's on my team and I'm not doing well, he's going to be off my team. If I'm winning and he's on my team, then he's still on my team. That's how I look at it. But like, I hate to get more complicated than that, but that's how it is. Yeah, totally agree with that one there. All right, let's talk about a couple more guys at the running back position here. I want to talk a little bit about Isaiah Pacheco. This is a guy who seems to be trending in the right direction in terms of his share of that Kansas City backfield. You know, we've all heard the stats about just how valuable that backfield can be. Like, um, this last game here, you know, like, he never seems to just completely pop off, but then six receptions uh, in this last game, like, does that give us a little bit of hope here? He's never really done that before. We Are we seeing something new from Pacheco where he can ascend to some new heights and he can be that guy who scores all these touchdowns in that uh, Kansas City offense? Do we think that that's within the range of outcomes here? Are you interested in acquiring him just to see? Um, I don't think, like, you have to spend a ton to go get him. Like, I don't think you have to spend a first to go get him. So if you're interested, I think that that's out there for you. But are we really interested in acquiring a running back, you know, after six weeks of the season? Any guess how many targets he's getting per game right now? Just any, like, can you guess? I'm looking at it right now. So that's okay. bad for 3.2 targets for the people listening. I would never have guessed that in a million years for Isaiah Pacheco coming out or based on his usage last year. I think he was under a target per game. 3.2. Now it's a smaller sample size, but we're dealing in several smaller sample sizes uh, in season. And that's just how it's going to go. To answer this, he went from a, like when he was in here, I was at, like a early on last season, a sell high to a holdish kind of player. And now if I'm uh, trying to compete, score fancy points, he's an RB2, I'm trying to target. Like that's just how fancy, and he might get injured. Who knows? But he's right now, he's a player that I'm like, I'm trying, if I need some running back help or running back depth, he's a player I want because I want a player. I'm not going to say he's he's not going to be the dream KC running back that you might have been alluding to in your original question, but he's an RB2 to target that because I want those RB2 points. Yeah. Because he can yeah, have a big that, play and get some targets. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's totally fair. I've said it a million times, but the way that I play Dynasty is I want to have decent enough running backs. Like if I've got a team that I'm trying to contend with, I want that team to hopefully find its way into a buy situation. That's the biggest way that you can set yourself up to get to the money in your league. And then I'm trying to get to that buy. So I'm trying to have, you know, two or three running backs. I feel pretty con 
um, consistent with on a week-to-week basis throughout the majority of the season. And then when I'm really actually interested in acquiring running backs is like right before the playoffs, like week 12, week 13, week 14. That's when I'm really interested in, okay, who's hot right now? Who's risen from the ashes in a backfield somewhere and is getting all the usage? Um, that's where I'm really interested. I, you know, last year I bought James Connor for a bunch of seconds across a whole bunch of leagues. And that was absolutely perfect. Like he's exactly the player that I wanted to be. Um, I wanted to be uh, acquiring for the, those seconds last year. This year, I'm not sure who it'll be yet, but that's kind of the time when I want to make that move. I'm not sure that at this point in the season is when I want to be going out and making that bet on a running back. And so I'm not sure that Pacheco is that guy for me right now, just because he kind of falls into that tier where, yeah, I don't know if you're even going to get him for a second anymore. So then you're talking about a little bit more on top of that. And then you're making a decent sized bet on the player. And I'm just not sure that I'm comfortable with that. And I am pretty comfortable saying that, you know, just like I do every single year, I'm going to find somebody around that time that I can acquire for a second. That's going to provide me that same kind of level of production when I need it the most. So that's kind of how I feel about Pacheco. Well said, I'm not going to even add anything. That was like, I, I that's a good uh, finishing point on him. Uh, another one that I want to talk about a little bit because there's been some hype, obviously Jalen Warren and, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of two ways. Like Najee Harris has not been great and Jalen Warren has looked decent in spits and starts here and there, I guess is what I would say. Um, I'm not super excited about this player, but it seems like a lot of people are. I'm curious your thoughts, Spaceman. Do you have some love for this? Do you think he can take over this backfield entirely from Najee Harris? Uh, is that within the realm of possibilities for the season? See, this is my, I have a, Jalen Warren represents a problem for me. In that I have a, I've had a ton of Jalen Warren across all my squads, but as soon as he starts to get any type of buzz, I find myself cashing out. I did a similar thing with Austin Eckler. To, to oh, I had him <laughs> every single roster, and I got out for like RB two prices, and that was just a huge mistake. Now I'm not going to say Jalen Warren is is at all, but so I think Jalen Warren is a he's a class example of a player with less of a workload, being extremely efficient, elusive. I'm not sure he's if he's ever put in a position if he can handle that kind of workload. I'm not sure if he's ever going to be given that kind of workload, if we're going to be honest. And even if he does, I have a hard time seeing him still getting the way that Pittsburgh works. I'm not sure if he's going to be getting five targets per game like he's getting right now. Uh, and I'm not even sure if I want to run back on Pittsburgh, if we're going to be honest. The way that team right. is playing, uh, I'm not excited about him in Dynasty whatsoever. I'm excited about that if I had him, if I have him on some best ball teams or something like that, but that's... I, I am all about trying to use him as a piece to to tear up to maybe if I have that a Pacheco or, or like a middling RB2 to try to have to tear up with some draft capital, get up into that RB, like a grab an RB1, something like that. Or like try to, hey, I have Jalen Warren here. That guy with De- Derrick Henry isn't doing so hot. How am I going to go get Derrick Henry with Jalen Warren? Like, like that's, that's the kind of things I'm trying to do with Jalen Warren. Fine player, exciting. I'm happy for him and like his, his, uh, like the story of Jalen Warren as is, but besides that, I'm using him as a piece to try to get go get what I want. Yep. Yeah, I think that's a perfect synopsis of where I'm at with Jalen Warren. If I've got him, then I think this might be a good spot where you can use him as a piece to actually get something that's of consistent and um, 
long-term value. And I'm not sure Warren is ever going to be that guy. Uh, do think that he's a valuable part of a tandem and probably going to catch some passes and can be a bi-week fill-in, do all those things for you. But if there's somebody who thinks that he's more than that and values him as such in some sort of package deal, then definitely I would use him in that context. Nate, we got time to talk one minute on Tony Pollard. For sure. Tony Pollard, so he's kind of being a little uh, – he has not been as exciting as people were hoping. He's not this league-winning running back who we're talking about. He's not being the RB1 that people drafted right now. Uh, I think he is in Dynasty, or actually even in redraft, if we're being – I know this is – but he is a perfect player, especially Dynasty, a team who thought they were going to compete, and he was a, a main thing, and they are disappointing, and they are not – they are really disappointed with, with Tony Pollard. He's a guy I want to try to go buy low on. I'm not sure if it's possible, but he's a – if I'm a competing – that he's kind of has been unlucky with touchdowns. I am alarmed at why he's not being explosive or as elusive as he has been in the past. Uh, that being said, he's a guy that I want to to risk be a part of, like to get a part of this Dallas offense. He's a guy I would go get, try to try to schmooze and try to get for low on a team that's disappointed and is looking to acquire some future value instead of uh, trying to win right now. Yeah, I I think that's perfectly said. I wouldn't add too much to that. It's definitely someone that he is falling in public perception, and I'm definitely willing to try to catch that uh, falling knife there. And I think that we've probably seen the worst of it, and we'll get a little bit more of the better side of it uh, as it moves forward. So yeah, if you can capitalize on one of these rising players, like if you can capitalize on some James Cook hype or something like that and add to James Cook to get into Tony Pollard, that's something I'd definitely be looking at doing. Basically, in every conversation that I plan- I thought we possibly could talk about, I would basically say pivot from James Cook to some player that I like. That's yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's the play every single time. Uh, we got... A llama guy in here asking traded Kyron and a 24th third for London Dell and Burks. Good for me. That is an absolute smash moving off the, uh, what potentially in my mind could be a one hit wonder with Kyron Williams here in, uh, this Rams offense and getting into Drake London, who I think is a terrific wide receiver stuck in a bad situation. And then a couple of shots in Dell and Burks that I'm still holding out some hope for. Obviously Dell has had a nice little start here and Burks has never truly capitalized on the potential that he's shown, but London alone is more than worth that deal for me. Llama guy. Next time that guy you trade with or your friends are in a startup and you're looking for somebody, let me know because that is a (laughs) shark move and I want to be part of that. Absolutely. All right, let's roll on to the wide receivers that we've got lined up here. I don't know if you've ever been interested in this guy named DJ Moore, Dave Wright. I don't think any analytics guys anywhere across any of the Twitter sphere that I've encountered have ever really liked this player, but I think we should talk about him because it seems like he's actually pretty good at playing football. Look, we're already at 34 minutes. I'm just going to say I love DJ Moore. I think he's a top five type talent at wide receiver, and it's fun to see him perform like that and get some kind of opportunity. I still don't think he's getting enough volume. Uh, feed him, feed him, feed him, and let him eat. And it's fun to see him make big plays because that's what he – I think he, the best part about DJ Moore is, and I think that he was a great – I mean, I'm at 50% across ownership, actually 54% or something like that, over 50% ownership or rostership. And the reason why is I think he can win intermediate, short game, and deep game. I think he can win all over the field after the catch. Uh, the only thing was has been volume and 
on target. And, that, and now the problem is if Justin Fields is going to be out and you have to wait, go suffer through another year of backup. Um, that's a real problem that I haven't quite had time to think about yet. So, yeah, that will be tough. Uh, I don't know if you saw any of uh, what the backup there was offering. Oh, Tyson Bajan, I believe. I don't even know how to say the guy's name, um, but it was it was not terrific. So, um, yeah, Another the Kyle latest Allen on season. yeah Allen season. <laughs> Uh, the latest on fields, he's doubtful for this week with a dislocated thumb. No overall timetable. It's really going to come down to grip strength. Um, no surgery imminent. too, right? Yeah, it is. Um, the hope is for rehab to improve grip strength and for him to get back on the field when he can. Yeah, who knows, really. But definitely DJ Moore takes a massive hit in terms of his production for this year. Uh, without a competent quarterback throwing the football there in Chicago. But I mean, like what he's, what he's accomplished so far this season, you have to, uh, you, you can't discount it. That's for sure. Uh, absolutely been balling out wide receiver 10 in points per game on the season. So part of being dynasty, playing dynasty, being a sharp dynasty manager is no, is planning for contingency. So if you're, so I'm sitting here and I have a ton of DJ Moore, or if, you know, if I just like DJ Moore, I don't have enough of them. And I'm thinking, hey, it could get rough for him. There, people are looking and he's saying that he's 26 years old. He feels like he's been the young, ascending, like potential ascending wide receiver forever. And people are going to start this offseason. You're going to watch. They're going to look at his age and like, hey, he's getting old. Like, and it's going to start to creep into his dynasty value. And people are going to look at another, like he flashed again for a stretch. And the, the same old stuff that we heard DJ Moore over again. I think it is an incredibly sharp move to go and buy in again. This is, I sound so <laughs> Buy in again because uh, just because I am not going to be, if I can get a, a continued a discount because of the age on top of everything, uh, that's something I want to look forward to just to be aware of because there's going to be people who st- like who just pump up wide receiver age and that the theoretical uh, win or age curve for wide receivers. And if that starts getting thrown around on social media, on your favorite podcast, that is the time to go get it. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think that this might be the first time this offseason where DJ Moore is actually like a clear buy. That uh, might be uh, just because we've seen it now that we've proven the concept here with Fields. If he can do it with Fields, I feel like he can do it. You know, if if the Bears do tank the whole season and they get Caleb Williams, then you get even more excited about it. But yeah, if people are starting to look at the age there, he'll be uh, right now he's 26 and a half. So yeah, by the start of next season, he's 27. People are starting to worry about that age curve, like you're saying. Look at like look at the wide receivers that are top of the league in points per game you got Tyree Kill you got Keenan Allen you got Cooper Cup you got Stefan Diggs you got Adam Thielen <laughs> resurrected from the dead over in Carolina like all the top wide receivers right now are all these old guys like the guys who are good are just good and they're going to stay good until they like have some catastrophic injury that takes them off the field forever that's kind of how I feel about it hey young team young wide receiver they 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 do well on social media but they don't do well scoring fancy points that is for damn sure. Uh, let's talk about an interesting young wide receiver in George Pickens. Now, we talked about the Pittsburgh offense a little bit, and definitely there are some qualms around that, but Pickens has actually had a halfway decent uh, season so far. 17.9 yards per reception, 15 uh, points per game 
on the season and doing that with Kenny Pickett, who looks less and less like a first round caliber quarterback. So, I mean, Pickens has talent. Does he have the ability to garner the targets to make all that talent worthwhile? I think has been the question for some time. How are you viewing Pickens? Has your view on Pickens changed at all with this uh, start to the season with Deontay Johnson out of the way there? Thank you for not letting me go off an edge without sliding in that DJ, uh, the Deontay Johnson bit, because I, I was about to just go off. No, but uh, I, that is a good little tap the brace a little bit. I have you. I would never have guessed that that George Pickens had a 25% target share. I just never thought that would happen. I'll be honest. I thought he was an, like a 21% type guy. See him get up at that 25%, 18. I think he's obviously 18 in points per game. Uh, he's and he's doing it at age 22. He's with everything that you mentioned. He is, I, I am wrong. I have no George Pickens. Uh, and he's a player that I need to reevaluate. And I'm not going to go out and buy him or anything, but he's a player that I need to say, like, hey, instead of a player that I just don't have anywhere, he's someone that I'm open to going and getting a piece of in certain deals as things start to mix up towards trade deadlines and what have you is uh, if I'm trying to, to get a little bit of that future value or what have you. Now I'm not going to, I'm not a, like he's a wide receiver one future wide receiver one type play or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's where I'm trying to accrue bodies that when I'm trying to build up a wide receiver depth, on, like a, cause that's how I like to build my team, build up some wide receivers, I'm trying to build up wide receiver. He's a name that I'm starting to consider. I'm probably too late on that. So I might not get a lot of it. But I'm willing to, I have to say right now, never would have guessed 25% for George Pickens, or George Pickens. Yeah, I think it's an interesting point right now in George Pickens in Dynasty, wide receiver 23 on keep trade cut. Um, you know, when I was watching tape on George Pickens coming out, I was like, there's a real player here if he can command targets. Like, you just never got enough of a stretch in college to really say what he could be at the NFL level than last season with Pittsburgh. Like, the underlying numbers were okay. He had, you know, I think he had about 800 yards, which is nice, but the target share wasn't too impressive. He didn't really take anything away from Deontay Johnson the way you would hope to see from a future alpha. But, like, I I do think that there's there's a case out there where George Pickens goes right to the top because he's got all the physical tools. It's really just about can he learn to play wide receiver at a level that gets him there. So he's young enough still that I think it's within the realm of possibility. And at wide receiver 23 prices, like he's already producing at that level. Am I really giving up a lot to go out and get him at that level? I don't, I don't really think so. Like um, maybe there is a situation. I'm not sure what the deal would look like exactly, but like, you know, you got Zay flowers at wide receiver 17 uh, over George Pickens. Could I tear down from Zay flowers to get George Pickens, get similar production and get something on top. And then maybe George Pickens takes off. I don't know. Um, but that's at least something I'm toying around with where at the beginning of the season, that was not a thought in my mind. The problem is George Pickens has some real truthers out there. There's some real. That is true. And so I'm sitting here saying, Hey, yeah, I might try to go tap my, my water. And then people are going to want, you know, want everything for him. And True. The re and that's the problem. And you're, you know, it, it's different play styles, but it kind of reminds me a little bit of DK Metcalf. This is just probably a stretch. And the fact that DK Metcalf felt like he could only do one thing. If when DK developed some other things to his game, if George Pickens can get some easy targets, get some easy, like just to, to build up some of that floor for him. I think that's the next step from his evolution as a wide receiver, especially as a fantasy asset. Yeah. 
All right. I want to talk about T. Higgins here. And maybe we can we can throw Jalen Waddell in here as well. Like, it feels like the fantasy community has soured just a little bit, uh, probably a lot more so on Higgins than Waddle. Like, Higgins right now is down to wide receiver 21 on keep trade cut. Uh, Waddle's still hanging tough at wide receiver 9, despite not having a terrific season so far. Um, what are your thoughts on these two? Do you view the gap between Waddle and Higgins as that large? Where are you at? No, I don't. I, I I don't. I think we've seen a worst case scenario for the Cincinnati Bengals through six, through however many games. I think we're going into their bye week, which is going to give you a little bit more time to that bad taste in, in the fantasy manager's mouth that have T. Higgins is a classic example of T. Higgins is a player that I am acquiring on teams that are not competing right now. And to be honest, I might have and it might and he might end up being a player that ends up compete like performing like right like as soon as like two in two weeks i think that right. he's that kind of player i think he, he is good at, it's almost like we're, he's being reset to where he was i feel like his career's had a couple of reset points where he's about gone back down to that low end wide receiver two type things all over again i think t higgins has the skill he had um the problem is you're gonna have to start thinking of other things like that contract i think he's ultimately going to be in in cincinnati i think that's going to happen i um that call me an optimist and they's going to be with Joe Burrow, but I just think that's what's going to happen. I don't believe the trade rumors and and what have you. So I I I'm all in on T Higgins. Yeah. I I do actually feel like it's a pretty sharp move to be in on T Higgins right at this moment. Like every time um like if you actually go back to last year and look at what he was doing, even when Chase was in, like people talk about the splits with and without Chase. Like I honestly don't care. Like T Higgins was doing it uh, with and without. Obviously, that's a unique situation with Burrow and with that offense that you that that can happen. But even if he did get dealt, like look at what that did for Tyree Kill. Like you look at Stephon Diggs going to Buffalo. Like all these guys, if if somebody's gonna go up and like pay up and make a big deal for T Higgins because he will have suitors across the league if. Uh, the Bengals do make him available like I don't think I'd be that scared off by it there's a few situations I wouldn't want to see obviously but like I don't think I'd be that scared off if T Higgins went to like what if he, if Denver tanks this season they do trade away Jerry Judy they do trade away everybody here they get a decent quarterback uh, and they go out and they make a big splash and get a wide receiver for him for the next few years in T Higgins like would that be such a terrible thing for T Higgins I don't think so so there's a lot of ways that this plays out in T Higgins favor in my opinion I do think it's a pretty sharp move to go for him right now when people have the bit the bad taste in their mouth the buys here he's still not scoring points for me what am I doing with this guy on my roster I do think that this is a little bit of a buy window right now and I'm still in on the player it has that Amari Cooper feel to him you know when Amari would disappoint in the playoffs and he'd have some of those nagging injuries T Higgins is is leaving games without producing uh and and people have there's some real recency bias with that and some real uh, just emotional responses to D Higgins. I'm going to sit back and I'm going to look at the talent. Look at, he's a young wide receiver. Uh, and I don't think I, I know pretty sure I can give up less for him right now than I did it in the off season. And yep. those are the types of moves that I think are smart. Now could his, and I think you, I'm not going to repeat everything, but I, I, th- there's not a lot of scenarios where I could think he could be in a worse situation as far as tired competition than he is this year. Like, can, like he's what is he going to go to a place and he's dealing with Jamar Chase again? Yeah, I just don't <laughs> see that. It, like, so that's I guess T Higgins and then Jalen Waddle. Uh, he, he's a playmaker, and I think the problem is is that when you have Achain and Raheem or Achan, 
I don't know. Achan <laughs> and Jalen Wad, I mean, uh, and Raheem Mostert and some other players in that offense, you're going to have some down weeks. I think he was out for one week. Stay the course. Wide receivers in, in season, they'll go up and down. He's going to have a big, big week here coming up. I, eventually, He's going to explode at some point. That's just the kind of player he is, the playmaker he is. So I'm not out on Jalen Waddle at all. Definitely. Uh, one player that we are contractually obligated to talk about every single time that I come on the mic is Jahan Dotson, who has continued to fall. Uh, yeah, I, I'm running out of uh, things to say. I really like the talent. I think the talent's still there. I think this is a guy who should be able to command targets, but it is not happening right now. One target, zero catches, zero yards this past weekend and has not had more than 40 yards in any game this season. I I don't know what to make of this, to be honest. It was not on my bingo card for Jahan Dotson this season. Maybe there's an underlying injury that explains some of this. Uh, maybe, maybe he's just not the player I thought he was. I, I'm not going to be that arrogant to say that I can't be wrong about the player, but I just feel like there's something a little more here that needs to explain what's going on because... I feel like I didn't have terrific expectations. Like I was not somebody who was saying that Jahan Dotson was a future wide receiver one or something like that, but I had him right around that uh, back end wide receiver two, early wide receiver three kind of territory for Dynasty. And I thought that was a decent enough place to put him right alongside his running mate there in Terry McLaurin. And yeah, the returns have not been good. I actually did trade off of Dotson in a few places, kind of just based on the hype he was getting in the offseason. Um, just felt like at some points the steam was getting a little hot and I felt like it was a good point to move off. So that looks good in retrospect. Um, had a lot of Dotson before that. Now I'm a little bit more appropriately uh, valued across my dynasty rosters. But do you have any hope left for Dotson or are you ready to write him off after these six weeks? I don't, I'm the problem with Dotson is is how was it going to get better for him? How is it going to like is he going to get a better like? I think the problem is is that Sam Howell can't deal with pressure, and so yeah. he's having trouble making it to him in his reads, right? Is, yeah. And he's not the type of player that you're just going to YOLO ball to Jahan Dotson all. The, I mean, even though he actually can do very well in that based on his uh, on his production in college, I just he's not that kind. So that knowing all that. The how like is he going to get a better quarterback soon? He's going to get a better offensive line soon. So it it's really hard to paint a path to where Jahan Dotson is going to be better. I am going if I I don't I actually have zero Jahan Dotson. Uh, um and it it's not that I don't believe in the player. I just didn't like the cost. So it was it was that cost. What I'm looking for him to do is see that value bottom out a little bit and then buy back in when that volume up. Like because even though I just said it's really hard to paint a picture where his his situation changes we are really really bad at predicting situations like just, that mm -hmm. is just we're, we're you can we can go back and think brandon i like brandon you people were talking about how bad his situation is and he is thriving thriving as a player uh if you believe in the town jahan dotson either stay the course or wait and and because i think his value is i i'm not buying now wait until that volume gets a little bit uh that price gets a little bit less because i think you're going to get him for easily had for um like a late second at some point later in the season yeah yeah i think there's some managers out there who would probably take the late second right now so he's probably approaching that value already uh i do want to talk about a few tight ends here if we can um 
I've been a big proponent of Kyle Pitts over the last couple of years. Obviously, the first season, terrific. And then Arthur Smith comes to town. We all know what happens next. Uh, but the last couple of weeks have given us a little bit of hope. He has the 11-target week against Houston, goes 7 for 87, then goes 4 for 43 on six targets but catches a touchdown. So he's had a couple of decent weeks now back-to-back, even in this awful Atlanta offense with Desmond Ritter at the helm. Um, you know, in one spot, I moved off of Travis Kelsey uh, on a team that was really strong kind of across the board, and I felt like I could stand to lose Kelsey's points, even though that seems a little bit ridiculous to say, given how much Kelsey has separated from the pack at tight end. But I moved Kelsey and James Conner for Kyle Pitts, and I feel like that's just a move in the long run that I'm really going to look back and appreciate. And I just still believe in the talent. I don't know what it's going to look like for this year. I don't know if he's going to be like a super valuable fantasy piece at any point really this year, but I still just believe in the talent and I'm willing to buy in if people are willing to move off him. So what's your thoughts on Kyle Pitts? Are you buying him right now in Dynasty? Are you holding? Are you selling? What's the story? Well, it's really tough to buy after like a couple of weeks here because it is, like you said, it gives a little bit of fresh life into him. Uh, people are like, uh, the people are looking to maybe he, his ease of buy is a little bit, or his ease of people are looking to sell him a little bit more because he's kind of rebounded. So, mm-hmm. uh, I will say if I'm going to go get, I'm not going to go get, I'm not looking to go get tight ends. If I'm, if I'm going to get a tight end, sure. I'm, I'm either getting Kelsey or, or I'm just, or trying to figure out something else. I'm not going to go get Kyle Pitts if I'm trying to do it right now. That's just not how I'm going about it. But if I am somehow getting, going to go get Kyle Pitts, I'm not giving up draft capital for him. I'm going to use players, not draft capital, because I think um, I don't want to spend that kind of uh, value. Like if I want to get Kyle Pitts, I'm going to use players because I, I want that unlimited, that that potential upside in those draft picks. I don't want to be giving that up to get Kyle Pitts because he could just become this flat asset for you. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. I did a bad job explaining it, but just pretend that made sense. Uh, <laughs> Don't give up draft capital. Give up players for him instead. Yeah. No, it's definitely something we've talked about a ton on this podcast is about the liquidity of that asset of those draft picks and the potential for it to exceed its value once you convert that into players. So definitely I I can... Like in my case that I just mentioned, yeah, it was a case where I didn't have to move into draft picks and that would have definitely been something I would have been less excited to do to get to Kyle Pitts. But I am still looking for occasional spots like he's down to the tight end five now in keep trade cut. So he's definitely some of the shine is coming off him. He's clearly behind Laporta, Kelsey, Hawkinson, Andrews. If you're just going off the keep trade cut value system here, uh, I do think that probably accurately represents where the majority of the dynasty fantasy market is at right now just because they don't see an end in sight for what's currently going on in atlanta and you know we've talked about this a hundred times um and many many other podcasts have as well but situations are fleeting in the nfl but talent uh, is something that we like to bet on and i do think the talent is still there for kyle pitts so that's my thesis on him All right, one more player uh, before we get out of here. I need to get your thoughts on Dalton Kincaid. This is a player that 
Uh, honestly, I really like the tape. When I was watching this player, I saw Mark Andrews. Um, I don't know if he's ever going to hit those heights, obviously. like That's a lofty projection to put on any player, but I thought that that was at least within the range of outcomes for Kincaid. I thought he had a special skill set at actually catching the ball and making all all different routes, all different catches across the field. And obviously the early returns have not matched those of a guy like Sam Laporta, who is everybody's favorite new toy. So I think Kincaid might be, might be getting a little, um, a little dressed down just because of Laporta kind of exceeding expectations. Where were you at before on Kincaid? What was your draft time kind of thoughts about the player? And then has that really changed at all for you at this point? So he was like flirted between my tight end two and tight end three at post draft, but I still liked the player. Um, I just was a Michael Mayer guy. Um, so I, I love how I'm coming on here after Mayer actually showed up for once. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so that's perfect. I can slip that in here. I guess the thing that that bothers me the most about Kincaid is his usage right now. His a dot is atrocious. Like he's getting mm-hmm. used as like, just like out in the flat or, or like in short. I think Dalton Kincaid's meant to be pushing and you like down the seam and, and and making guys miss after the catch in the middle of the open, middle of the field and making big plays. That's how I view him as a, that kind of weapon. And that's not being used. Now I think some of that has to do with just how much ha- the learning curve that goes for tight ends. I still think that's going to end up happening. I don't, especially with, with Josh Allen and his talent skill set. I feel like at times he's kind of been just like, Oh, just go do what Dawson Knox does a little bit. If that makes yeah. any sense, which is, yep. Like this dump off, like a, a safety valve, instead of being used as this weapon, and I think that's what Dalton Kincaid should be. And I think if he is the player they thought he was, he will end up showing that to Buffalo, and then it will happen. Like we have to remember, it's a tight end. We're doing a very small sample size here, and you got to just play the long game with these tight ends. Yep, I totally agree with that. I think that the presence of Laporta and what he's been able to do in that situation in Detroit where he's the clear number two target behind uh, Amon Ross St. Brown and you have that offense that's willing to target him and use him in that way. Um, I think Laporta just went into a perfect situation. I It would be really interesting to actually see what those two players would be doing if the situations were reversed. Sometimes you just want to run that simulation, right? And see what, and see what might spit out the other side. Um, but Overall, like if there's a buy window here on Kincaid, I'm about it. Uh, I don't know that there is because a lot of people were steaming him up even more than I was comfortable with. And I thought I was pretty high on Kincaid. I saw him go at like 107 in some leagues and that was pretty hot for me. So I don't know if there's truthfully a buy window here on Kincaid, maybe after the season, if they really do take like more of the traditional tight end route where they, you know, make him sit down and put his hand in the dirt and learn to play football like a real man and do all those things before they really uh, set him loose. You know, maybe there's a buy window after the season. I'm not sure it's there yet, but it is trending that way. And I'm I'm just here to say that I'm interested in Dalton Kincaid. I think that this is a player with potential. And at the tight end position, I'm just going to chase that. Um, if there's a guy with potential that I can get uh, in this kind of like... If I can get him for a second somewhere, then I'm probably going to pull that trigger because the hit rate on that second is not great. And I'm willing to bet on my priors on Kincaid and the situation there with Josh Allen as his quarterback for the foreseeable future that eventually uh, he might figure it out and be a difference maker at the position. 
there is a buy window, in my opinion, on these win now teams that thought, oh, he's going to get these slot routes, like this, like he's going to get this immediate volume because there's a need for it in Buffalo. I think there's, I, I think that is a real scenario where those teams that were counting on him and they thought they were getting a, a contribute now type piece. I think that you're, you might still have there. And usually those type, it might be hit or miss if that's a player you can get a little bit of a discount with because if you give them some more of a win now type pieces, but I think that is the the route you're going to have to get um, if you're going to go get Kincaid. For sure. Got another question, Chandler asking: Trade CMC in a twelve-team superflex PPR. Picks are projected one ten, one twelve, and twenty twenty-four first mid to late. Um. I'm not sure I'm gathering that question. Is it a 2025 first that's mid to late? I'm not sure I'm gathering that question. What's uh, Let's just do it this way, Spaceman. What would you be comfortable with on CMC right now? Like if you're, if you're in the market for running back or if you're interested in trading CMC away, like what's the, what's the appropriate value in terms of picks? Like 110, 112 plus, are we saying? Or do you think that's roughly appropriate what do we think i'm pretty bad when it comes to my late i don't value late round first very much i i i think it, it i don't care what the class is i don't care what the devi people are saying about that part of the draft i just don't get as excited now you can get good players there i just don't think that value holds so uh if i'm trading away i mean yeah if i'm getting three firsts I, i'm like I would take three first for CMC, probably. If I'm, if he is hurting me, if he's hurting my team right now, and I need like, and that's probably the best. I'm not. I have a hard time believing you're getting a better offer than three first for CMC right now. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I did say 2025 first. Yeah, yeah. I I feel similarly. Anytime you can get three first for running back, I'm probably just gonna take that and then convert one of those back into running back production. Take the other two to the bank and figure out what I'm gonna do with those later. All right. Well, we've gone over an hour here, Spaceman. You've been very generous with your time. Why don't you tell the people where to find you, where they can find your wonderful spreadsheets that I use so much? Look, you can find me at FF underscore Spaceman on Twitter. Some Maybe one day you'll find me back on DLF uh, or on a podcast called Tale Two Rivals. Maybe. Uh, but honestly, my Patreon is, uh, it's most of it's free, but you get a dollar or two dollars will get you whatever you want on there. Um, there's tons of spreadsheets that are updated before most major websites are out there. So you're getting your advanced stats before anyone else. Uh, that's how you're going to go do it. But I'm not, if you, a lot of people probably ever heard me. Uh, you know what to do. What If you haven't heard me, I want to take this time and just say, hey, this is a, the time when um, to put, if your team does not have a charity um, pot, in your league, if you don't have a buy-in going towards charity, that is the time to change. It makes so much to your league if you can get one buy-in that goes towards the winner's choice of their favorite charity, or uh, or if you're not familiar with Fantasy Cares or the Scott Fishbowl, now's the time to go. Take just take a minute and go do that. I'm sure everyone who's listening has heard about it, but you know, be kind. This time of year, people are like are, are frustrated with their fantasy teams if, if they haven't been listening to JWB's advice and they're, and they're looking. <laughs> A little down. Uh, be kind, and let's ha- and like fantasy is about keeping in touch with your friends, kicking their ass, and um, and, and honestly making a difference. And I think uh, you know, in, in your like it, it's a, a passion for a lot of people. 
And let's do that with some charity as well. So uh, check out Fancy Cares and Scott Fishbowl and, you know, make a make a, a buy in your league. Go to a charity. Absolutely love that. Uh, for myself, you can obviously find me at Nathan GN, as you see on the screen. If you want to find me on Twitter to tell me how bad my takes were in this particular episode, you can find everything uh, JWB at JWB underscore FF and JWB fantasy football.com. That's going to be it for this one. Many thanks again to you, Spaceman. Love to have your insight here. Talk to you later, people. Bye for now.